Hi everyone, hello. I am Michaela with the Paul Ward Home and Ranch team. Um, I'd just like to welcome you to 15 Minutes with Paul Ward, where Paul will answer common questions he has gotten as a real estate agent in Ventura County. He has over 20 years of experience in this area. Since it's such a popular topic with a lot of information to cover, this is our second episode about property management. If you missed the first episode, check out the Farm Talk with Paul Ward podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hi, Michaela. Hey, good morning, Paul. So what, what questions do we have? Well, we've all heard the real estate industry is undergoing rapid changes, but the property management industry is healthy and thriving. In last week's episode, you gave us all your best tips for finding new renters, and you told us how you learned the hard way to check references. So this week, I thought we'll go a little bit deeper into property management and cover how can property managers raise rent, two, how can the average, how long does the average client stay at a single property? And thirdly, what is the average length of time that it takes to lease a vacant property? Yeah, that's a lot to cover in just 15 minutes. But um, just to bring us up to speed, how long have you been a property manager in California? Um, I've been doing this for over 10 years. Oh, wow. Question one should be an easy softball question for you. Sure. Um, so can a property manager raise rent? And if so, under what conditions? Great question. So yes, the rent can be raised and there is a uh, California law. There's a basically a state rent cap. So um, you cannot just raise rent as much as you want. Um, there is a rent cap. Some cities have their own um, caps in place that are more strict, but for California in general, you can raise rent 5% plus the CPI rate for that year, consumer price index rate for that year, um, with, the, with the maximum of 10%. So if CPI is above 5%, you could do 5% plus another 5% on CPI, or if CPI is 3.5% for the previous year, it would be 5% plus 3.5% or 8.5%. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a decent amount. I mean, you don't want to scare your tenants away um, if they're quality tenants, um, but that's the, that's the rule, 5% um, plus C, whatever CPI is. Can you give us an example of when you <laughs> raised rent or what happened after you raised rent? Sure. So I like to send out a, uh, you know, 60-day notice that rent at the time that the lease is going to be coming up for renewal, that the rent will be going up. And, um, you know, depending on the tenant um, that and the landlord, of course, that will help determine what rent is going to be raised, the new rent is going to be raised too. So, um, you know, more often than not, I, I find most landlords are more modest. They don't try to maximize that, that increase. Um, if the tenant is a good tenant, responsible tenant, they take care of the property, um, you know, they pay their rent on time, they're uh, cleanly, and the landlord genuinely likes that person, maybe they'll do a little bit less than the 5% plus CPI. Um, now, if the property is 
um, you know, big and they're already getting a, a, a lot of money for their for the rent. It might be a harder property to rent out if there's a vacancy factor. Okay. So that's another reason to, you know, maybe keep the rent a little bit, the, the increase a little bit on the lower side because you don't want to have to then have the tenant move out. And then all of a sudden, now you've got a vacancy for a few months to get the next tenant in place. Yeah. But speaking of tenants, how long do they usually stay? Like how long is a, is a rental usually occupied by the same renter? Sure. I don't know if there's any hard statistics on, you know, how long tenants stay in Ventura County. Um, but I can say that some properties just typically turn over more than others. Mm -hmm. um, you know, studio apartments uh, typically have a higher transient rate um, where people are just kind of more in flux. Uh, you know, if they start off young at a, in a studio apartment, maybe they want to get a one bedroom, maybe they want to get a two bedroom. Um, so they typically don't stay for much longer than, the, than a one year lease. Um, sometimes you have the exception. Sometimes people just get entrenched and stay for, for many, many years. But typically I found that the smaller the property, the shorter the stay. Um, you know, if you've got a big family and kids and you're, you know, renting out a house, it's just that much more complicated and costly to move. Mm -hmm. And so typically those folks stay longer. Um you know, my my average tenant typically stays for about just under just under two years. But I also have tenants that have stayed for, you know, well over five years. So just it just depends. But more often than not, if a property is very small, um, typically tenants don't stay very long. Oh wow, that's a good rule of thumb. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just you know, stage of life, right? I mean, if you're just kind of starting out, you're getting out on your own. Maybe you mm -hmm. moved out from mom and dad and, you know, you're just kind of starting out. You get a studio apartment or a one bedroom apartment. And then from there you go to something a little bit bigger. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. Those, yeah. But the transient, you know, more transient, you would uh, typically stay a shorter period of time. Um, you've talked about raising rent and rental length. Um, can you tell us about how long a property is vacant for on average? You know, that's a great question. And um, typically the the lower the rent, the more the the more calls come flooding in. Okay. So if you have an affordable one bedroom apartment, which rarely rarely comes available, um, or two bedroom, one bath that maybe is priced a little bit below market, the phone just rings off the hook. And there are multiple applications within a short period of time. Um, once you get into the detached single family homes, um, if the landlord is asking just below what the market calls for, then they could rent that house out very quickly. If they are asking top, top dollar, for whatever reason, they want to push the envelope and ask, you know, the maximum amount that the market would, would say it's worth, then they might have to wait a little bit longer. So there is a benefit to asking just under what the market calls for, because you're going to fill that vacancy uh, more quickly than if you're asking top, top dollar. 
and you might have a longer vacancy and wait a little bit longer to fill that rental. So have you ever had extremes where you rented a property very quickly or extremes where a property um, sat vacant for a while? Yes, actually, actually both. So a property that I rented right away, actually, this is a crazy story. I had just put the uh, for rent sign up in the front yard and I was literally walking behind the house to put the hammer away and the phone rang. And when I answered the phone, um, I mean, of course, I didn't know who was calling. And he said he was, you know, calling on the property for rent. And I didn't know which property he was talking about. And he said the address. And I literally still had the hammer in my hand. He was just driving by. So pretty, pretty extreme. Um, but yes, if a property is affordable for the masses and um, doesn't come available, like a studio apartment or a one bedroom, um, even a two bedroom, one bath that's priced maybe just below what the market calls for, the phone will ring off the hook. And there will be multiple applications for the landlord to consider um, within a short period of time. So those do not stay available for very long at all. And you could find a tenant today in this market in a, in a very short time span. On the other hand, if a landlord is asking top dollar um, for what that property calls for, maybe it's a, the house is a little bit small, maybe the bedrooms are a little bit small, and they're trying to just kind of squeeze that very that last dollar out of that property, then um, that property could stay vacant for, for longer than average. Um, just recently, I rented out a house and they did get what they wanted, but it took, you know, two and a half months. Um, and the master bedroom was small where it could not accommodate a king size bed. Um, it could accommodate a, a queen with a, maybe a nightstand, but not certainly not a king. And so it took a little bit extra time to get that vacancy filled. Now, if they were asking a little bit under market what that property would call for, they probably would have had more applications to consider and would have rented it sooner. So they would have had, an, you know, they wouldn't have gotten as much money in the end, uh, you know, on a month to month basis, but they would have had an extra month of rent. And so um, you kind of have to look at that. What What is that vacancy timeframe? And could you get it filled sooner um, if you're not asking top dollar? Because that, you know, having a property vacant does cost money. No, absolutely. Well, you've given us a lot of information about rental properties, rents, contract length, vacancy expectations. Do you have any last words of advice for people with property rentals? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say I, I, I follow my intuition, and I know that's not really advice, advice, but, you know, if that little voice inside says something's amiss, then something's probably amiss. Um, and so anytime you kind of uh, go against the grain and say, I'm going to go out on a limb here and, uh, you know, give this person uh, the benefit of the doubt, even if your voice, inner voice says uh, something's, something's off, more often than not, something is off. So, um, 
you know, do your due diligence, do your research. Um, you know, FICO scores are very important when it comes to looking at uh, not everything, and it's not everything, but it is a factor when looking at, a, at, at tenants. And so just, you know, follow your intuition when it comes to finding quality tenants. Well, thank you, Paul. Absolutely. So that about wraps up this episode of 15 Minutes with Paul Ward. Don't forget to subscribe and never miss a future episode. Paul's contact information is in the show notes if you have a suggestion for future episodes or if you have more questions. Also, if you have a few minutes, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It's totally free for you, and it goes a long way in helping people discover the podcast. Wonderful. Thank you, Michaela. Thanks. I would like to thank uh, our sponsors, of course, Escrow Hub and The Money Store. Excellent. And you can find more information about the Escrow Hub and The Money Store in our show notes as well.